The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. The mighty power of God, the mighty power of God comes to aid us in the desperate struggle against the monsters that appear in our lives. That's what we've been learning in the book of Job. When Job lost his children, when he lost all that he possessed, when he lost his health and was miserable with boils all over his body, all his wife could say to him was, just go ahead and curse God and die. Job would not do that. He was a man of immense integrity. He was a righteous man. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will not, he said, accuse the Lord God of heaven. So at one level, Job was very strong in his beliefs. But the practice of those beliefs at an emotional level was much more difficult. I understand this. Our minds go crazy. Our emotions come and try to sweep us away from the foundation of what we believe in Jesus. The devil comes with every accusing lie. You're a sinner. You always will be. You can never walk victorious with Jesus. He comes denigrating the blood of Jesus Christ, trying to drain away any understanding of the power of the blood to heal and restore you and establish you in righteousness. The last thing the devil wants is for you to stand like Job did and not accuse God and not leave God, not turn your back on God. He wants to do everything he can to cause you to turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Please understand, this is not neutral ground that we live in. We live in a war zone. It may not look like a war zone because we have the trappings of party time. We have all of our entertainment. We have all of our hard work and our money to earn and our things to buy. But underneath all of that rages, rages this war against any person who will set their heart on Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. 
And the devil will come and do all he can to make you grumble and complain and be depressed. He will do everything he can to cause you to turn aside from the Lord Jesus. And there were times in the book of Job when he was very depressed, very discouraged, to the point of saying, I wish I'd never been born. I wish I died in birth. Job hit rock bottom emotionally. But he held on to his integrity, and he did not turn aside from the living God of heaven. If you were to ask me, Pastor, what is the most important thing you can tell me about following Jesus? I would tell you, the most important thing you can do in obedience to Jesus is not turn away from him. Regardless of how hard it gets, I spoke with a young man last night who was having a very difficult time in his new walk with Jesus. He is bitterly angry about his life. He doesn't like what's happening to he and his family. And so his anger has turned against Jesus. I urged him to come and sit down with me, and we will talk and pray together. This young man needs to understand that this is the devil's ploy. He, he uses it constantly in the human heart to cause us to be filled with rage and discouragement that we would turn aside and no longer place confidence or trust in Jesus Christ. The devil wants to make us numb, dead. He wants to feed us with things that will cause us to be passive in our ability to say no to sin. One of the things that I found very early in my walk with Jesus was that I could not sit down and watch an hour of television, even if it's the History Channel, and then sit down and open my Bible and try to read it. The Spirit of God would be gone, and I would be bored to tears by the Scriptures that I was trying to read, and I would soon begin to nod off and become sleepy. What I discovered is that there are certain things that if I participate in them, and worldly entertainment is one of those things, that I will not have a conscience that can read the Word of God and understand what it's saying. You know, we read the Word of God and we understand it only by the power and the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. If we grieve the Holy Spirit and we cause our spirits to be seared as with a hot iron, the scriptures will be boring to us. I tell you now, 
when I pick up the Bible, as I do every day, and I begin to read, it's like a technicolor movie. It's explosive. It's alive. The Holy Spirit speaks to me quickly in the Word. When I'm discouraged in my heart by the circumstances or the, or the turning away of men and women from the gospel of Jesus, and I come and I sit down in my prayer chair and I begin to read the word of God, my heart immediately is revived within me. Now, please, this walk with Jesus is real. And if you take this journey with Jesus at only an intellectual level and you feast on those innocent things that the devil will put out for you to feast on, you will be pacified. Your hunger will disappear and you will not pursue Jesus Christ. And finally, you will be rocked to sleep by the devil. It is time to wake up. It is time to throw off all of the things of darkness and begin to earnestly seek Jesus in the scriptures and in the prayer closet. And as soon as we begin to do that, these monsters begin to show up in our lives. Things that the devil knows will cause us great turmoil in our hearts. He wants us to back away from any serious pursuit of Jesus. And he wants to fill the hunger for Jesus with the straw of Sodom and the apples of Gomorrah. He wants to fill us with the wickedness and foolishness the jokes and the laughter and the sports of this world so that we have no inner life. It's all external. It's all our job. It's all our home life. It's all this and all that, but it's not Jesus. May I be very frank with you? Some of you would call my life extremely boring because in my life, I am totally focused on Jesus Christ. He is everything for me. When I go in the morning for my run, my thoughts are on Jesus. Oh, I notice other things. Like yesterday as I ran, I saw flocks of robins, and I began to thank Jesus that the robins were wise enough to gather as a flock and go south. And then I also saw flocks of these very beautiful little birds called slate-colored juncos. It's time for the robins to fly, and it's time for the slate-colored juncos to migrate to this area from the north. I see these things, and I begin to praise Jesus for his wisdom and the beauty of his nature. Please understand, 
every relationship that I have is centered. Every friendship that I have is centered in Jesus Christ. Any person who is not a Christian or any Christian who is cultural and not a true follower, we will not converse very long before I begin to ask them, do you know Jesus? What is your walk with Jesus today? What is Jesus saying to you? Because the very center of all of my heart and the longing desire of my spirit is for Jesus Christ. I am hungry for Jesus. I'm not doctrinaire. I believe in Jesus. I'm not an ideologue. I believe in the person of Jesus. And so everything I have is focused around Jesus. Now, I can claim no credit for this hunger. It is all Jesus who has done this in my heart and my life. And he has done it by allowing these monsters to come. In chapter 40 of the book of Job, God begins to question him about this huge hippopotamus that cannot be tamed, asking, can you put a rope on him and pull him out of the water? Are you kidding me? That hippopotamus would trample you to death in a moment. And he speaks about the Leviathan, the the great crocodile, the pre-flood crocodile that was such a monster. Probably bigger than anything we could even begin to imagine. And these sharp, flashing teeth that want to tear and devour us. And God asks him, can you put a leash on him for your girls? Can you tame him? Are you kidding me? There are monsters that come into our lives. There are broken relationships. There is lack of money. There is sickness. There are all manner of external things that happen. And then there are internal monsters that want to devour us. There is lust and pride and jealousy and bitterness. And what Job is learning is that he has no power to stand against these monsters that come into his life. He says in chapter 42, verse 2, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Finally, he's beginning to understand that God is the God of heaven and earth, not Job. So frankly, it raises the question, how are you handling these monsters in your life? And I'm just sensing in the spirit that I need to open the phone lines. There may be some of you who need to call today 
and talk about the monster that you're facing and allow me the privilege of praying for you. You need the victory. How will you gain it? The victory is only going to be found in Jesus Christ in total submission on your part where you totally put that thing in the hands of Jesus and you're no longer going to think you can handle it. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. I'm willing to take the whole program just to pray with you all today if, if you would like that. If not, I'll move on. I earnestly desire to talk with you about righteousness, the gates of righteousness, and how the gates of righteousness are opened for us. But just very quickly, if you're faced with a, with a monster in your life, or if you're faced with a monster in your internal spirit, and you're exhausted from the struggle, and you need a breakthrough, you need God to turn this around for you, you're hungry for Jesus, then I invite you to quickly call 877-534-0780 and please allow me to pray with you. Now you're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. I pastor at the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We had a meeting last night I wish every one of you could have been there. The Spirit of God fell on that place. It was not a large gathering. But the Spirit of God came and men and women confessed. They shared one with another. It was all around this issue of how do we deal with these with these monsters. Uh, Mr. Producer, we have a call. Who it? Pardon? Okay, good. Let's take Lynn's call. Hi, Lynn. Welcome. How can we pray for you? Thank you, Pastor Greenley. I don't want to keep you long because I want to hear about the gates of righteousness. Um, yeah, I need victory. I, you know, I, I feel like I put my situation and the circumstances in the Lord's hands. And believe me, there's nothing I can do about it. But I don't have victory. So, I don't so know what, what to do. And so what do you do? Um, do, you, do you become bitter? Frustration do you and, get angry? And, no. I, I, I actually have a brain injury. So, no, no, I can just kind of ignore it and it gets worse. And, and But it, it's like I need action. You know, I need to take action. And somewhere... Between knowing what I need to do and doing, I'm stuck. You used a very key word right now, and I want to I want to send you to look at it. You said, "I need." 
So essentially what you're saying to the Lord God of heaven is, I need you to come help me with this. Your vocabulary is going to have to change. Look carefully in the book of Galatians. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to turn to that quickly for you. Uh, In the book of Galatians, it's a scripture I know you've looked at many times, but let's read it together. Galatians, the second chapter. I'll begin with verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. What Paul is saying is, I has to be crucified. So, your prayer life now is going to have to change. Instead of saying, I need this, it's, Lord, you live in me. Would you bring forth your will? And Jesus, I'm submitted to you, Jesus. I'm putting this in your hands. I won't touch it again. Whatever you want me to do, you put it in my heart to do, and you give me the strength to do it, because now it's not I, it's Christ in me. And now all of the power of the blood of Jesus belongs to you. And the blood of Jesus moves into action in washing you, in changing you. Does this make sense to you? Yes. What comes to mind is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, but it's not Christ helping you. It's him doing it in me. It's him doing it in you. Changing me. Changing you. It's it's all about him. It's not about me. It's about him, and it's about his healing power. It's about his opening the door for you and giving you the strength to operate by his spirit. Because it, as one person said last night, and I and I just loved this. This person's face lit up with a smile, and they said, "It's not." I anymore. It's God in me. It's Jesus in me. And if if you'll grab a hold of that, it'll be yours. Thank you. Thank you. And and actually you can't see it, but my face was lit up as well. <laughs> See, when you told me you were frustrated, frustration is just a hidden word for anger. And anger leads us to bitterness after a time. And bitterness in time leads us to turn away from Jesus and turn to other ways to try to accomplish what Jesus wouldn't do for us. You don't want to go there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And the thing I've learned about faith is sometimes you end up right there at the ledge. 
but the Lord always comes through with his will. Always, always, always. always. In miraculous ways that we could never figure. We couldn't have asked for it. We couldn't have even thought it up. Now, I'm going to go. trust in him. Yes. I'm going to share one more piece with you, and then I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to deal today with Psalm 118. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read for you verse 17. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastised me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Well, that word the Lord has chastised me severely. The word for chastise and the word for severely is the identical word. If I were to translate it literally, I would say the Lord has beaten me twice. He's given me a double beating because I didn't get it on the first beating. <laughs> okay? <laughs> And then it says, that's what it takes. (laughs) Yes. Then it says, open for me the gates of righteousness. Well, if you look literally, it's saying the double beating of God gave me the strength to ask him to open for me now the gates of righteousness. The gates of righteousness will only open out of the suffering of surrendering our heart and being crucified with Christ. Righteousness, we don't want to talk about it in the modern church because we want to teach prosperity and blessing. But the scriptures say there's a double beating God's willing to give us if necessary to get us through the gates of righteousness. Is that astonishing? It's perfect. It's perfect. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Because that's what matters. Yes. We're heaven bound. Yep. Well, let me pray with you, may I? Yes, please. Thank you so much, Pastor Greenlee. You're welcome. Lord, I pray for my dear sister today. We are brother and sister because, Lord, you've had to give me the double beating. And then you began to open for me the gates of righteousness. And I knew as I entered them that it was nothing of me and it was all of you. So, Lord, I pray that this double beating that my sister has received and is receiving will open also for her the gates of righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that she will be entirely hidden in you, Jesus, that all frustration, all anger, all bitterness, all expectations will be laid down at the cross. That, Lord, you will pull her through that cross to victory on the other side, where all she can do is praise and worship you and honor your mighty name as she walks clean before you, not turning aside from you not complaining or grumbling, but just praising you and worshiping you. Lord, would you give her the victory today? 
I pray now for the coming of the Holy Spirit and power upon her. Lord, give her courage. Give her healing. Give her strength because she is your child. I pray in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Greenlee, and God bless you richly. Thank you. Have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, and thank you, Lord. Yes. God bless you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Mr. Producer, do we have any other calls? Our phone number is 877 534 0780. If you need to talk about these issues, if you misunderstand or or have questions, please call. This is what this time is for. It's it's for pilgrims to follow the way of Jesus and not the way of the modern church. It's for those of you who are hungry for Jesus and are not satisfied with religion. I don't like religion. In fact, it makes me sick. I'm not a religionist. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He is my personal Lord and Savior, and I love him with all of my heart. If you need to talk about this, call quickly, 877-534-0780. Now, today's broadcast is about the opening of these gates of righteousness. Job had the gates of righteousness open to him. He He demonstrated that by being willing to repent in dust and ashes for his arrogant crying out, I need this, I need that. It was all Job-centered. He had never really known the Lord God of heaven. He'd known about him, but he didn't know him. He'd never seen him. I fear that many of you today, you've been taught, but you don't know Jesus yet. It's this monster that comes that finally teaches us. And frankly, some of us have had to have monster after monster that teaches us through suffering, or through the suffering of our wife or our husband or our children, where we finally have learned to just turn it all over to Jesus. I want you to get a hold of this. It'll change your life. So Psalm 118 opens, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endureth forever. And then we come to this incredible, this incredible song that we've sung so many times in church. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. 
What gives you the ability to sing that song? When you begin to understand that all power and all authority rest in the hands of Jesus and your monsters you cannot manage or tame, only Jesus can. And it means coming to absolute dependence on Jesus. I've shared before my seminary experience where the professor who was dealing with family life stood up and said, don't pretend that prayer and scripture will solve the problems of a marriage. He said, you have to use psychotherapy. You need to be trained in psychotherapy. You need to be a counselor. He could not have been more foolish or more wrong. Life does not flow from a psychotherapist. And I've been trained. Life flows from the heart of Jesus Christ. And that's why when a member of the congregation or members come to me and ask for marriage counseling, the first thing I establish with them is that they are willing to do everything that Jesus asks them to do to walk in righteousness. If they are not willing to sign off on that, I will not spend time with them because I know their case is hopeless. Marriage was given by God. Harmony in marriage comes from the Holy Spirit, from the heart of Jesus. As both partners die out to themselves and let Jesus be in charge of their marriage. So I want to take you now <clears throat> I want to take you now to the 18th 118th chapter of Psalms and I want to read for you verse 17 forward I will not die but live why will he not die but live? Because, according to the verse just prior to that, the context is that the Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Because of that, I will not die, but I will live. And will proclaim what the Lord has done, not what I did not how I figured out how to deal with the problem. And then verse 18, the Lord has chastened me severely, literally in the Greek, I'm sorry, literally in the Hebrew, the Lord has beaten me twice. The literal translation would be, the Lord has beaten me, beaten me. Or the Lord has beaten, beaten. Two beatings. But in those chastenings, he has not given me over to death. As in Job's case, God wanted Job to be more than a righteous man. Please understand me. 
I come preaching repentance. I come preaching righteousness. But God wants more than repentance, and he wants more than righteousness from you. God wants fellowship with you. God wants intimacy with you. He wants you to know him as he knows you. Now, that can't happen if you're not walking in righteousness. So the beatings come so that we see our anger, we see our bitterness, we are uncovered in our lust, and we must make a choice. Do we want Jesus or do we want the wickedness of our hearts? Do we want Jesus or do we want our unbelief and our self-dependence? After the beatings, he says, Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. What is the gate of the Lord? The double beating. The discipline of God. Now, if you ask me for a New Testament reference on this, Please, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 6th chapter. The book of Galatians. All of them talk about the same thing. They talk about enduring the punishment of God. John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress talks about He and hopeful, being told to lay down on the ground, and an angel came and whipped them for their disobedience to the commands of God. And they got up from their beating, and they said, we're not going to do that again. Please, please hear and understand, I'm not being a masochist. I'm saying that most of us are never going to turn to the Lord if the Lord does not discipline us severely. The righteousness that I have in my life today where I don't walk in any known rebellion or sin against the Lord did not come to me without the Lord dealing very sternly with me over a long period of time. Now, some of you, hopefully, will learn very quickly. I'm not a fast learner. The Lord has had to deal with me over and over and over where I want to reach out my hand and manipulate and control in a relationship or in a, in a ministry situation. I want to lay my plans I was praying last night. And the Lord opened before me exactly what he wanted me to do over the holiday with the National Prayer Chapel over the Christmas holiday. I was absolutely astonished at what I was commanded to do. All of it flowed from the Holy Spirit. 
because I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the National Prayer Chapel. We don't sit in a committee and dream up some program. We're on our face before God, and we do what the Holy Spirit directs us to do. But I couldn't do that for many years as a pastor because I had not yet been severely disciplined by God. The gate of the Lord, verse 20, this is Psalm 18, verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. Enter where? Enter into the kingdom of God. Enter into the presence of God. The double beating is the gate by which we enter. And he says, I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. Those are not pretty words. This is literally what took place. The Lord God of heaven became David's, King David's salvation. Then in verse 22, the stone, the stone literally means the shaking. The shaking. And a secondary reference to head, to the shaking head. And we know from the New Testament that this passage refers directly to Jesus Christ. Jesus comes to shake, to shake the sinner. He comes as the head. He comes as the stone that the builders cast aside. The Jews of Jesus' day in leadership cast aside Jesus Christ. They rejected him. But he has become the capstone. That is the angle stone that ties everything else together. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. How can I rejoice and be glad in this day if I have not entered into the gates of righteousness? If I have not recognized the discipline of the Lord in my life, and by the way, every person that God intends to save, he will discipline. If he does not discipline you, it is only because you have rejected his discipline in every case and you have turned your back on Jesus Christ. You may go to church, you may be a preacher, 
But the Holy Spirit is not moving in your life if you have not submitted to the beatings of God, to the floggings of God, to the discipline of God. It is in the suffering that we become aware of our own wickedness and we become aware of our own pride and arrogance and haughtiness. And so I hear about a preacher who treats his wife like an animal, cheats sexually on her, deep into pornography, arrogant, hard-hearted, but very smooth up front. I've met men like this. Sickens my stomach. They're all show and no go. They never hunger after Jesus because they're too important. And they bring these nice little messages to God's people. Their their little erudite messages. Their little feminized gospel. Not a robust, strong gospel. (laughs) They make me sick. They want to talk about grace, grace, love, love. But there's no discipline. There's no, there's no strength. There's no reality in, in what they're saying. Because they've never been under the disciplining hand of God. They've always slipped out from under it. If you're in that kind of a church, run. Get out of it. You don't belong there. If your church is about entertainment, if your church is about Just grace, grace, love, love, and there's no discipline and there's no strength. Flee. Get out of there. You're going to die there. If your church is about entertainment and multimedia and concerts, if your church is about the good life and prosperity, or if your church is about Ritual that's dead. If you want to live, you better get out of there. You better let the Holy Spirit discipline you. You may have to stay at home a while and pray before you make a decision at the direction of the Holy Spirit where he wants you to go. It's time to get out of Dodge. It's time to get out of the worldly church. You want to be in a church where the man of God or the woman of God stands and preaches a straight biblical word, where arrows of conviction pierce your heart, where you are leaving the church service with humility in your heart, knowing that your pride has been exposed, knowing that you've been encouraged to turn everything over to Jesus, where pride has been reduced to rubble. Verse 25, Psalm 118, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he's made his light to shine upon us. 
with bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. That is the strength. The strength to endure. The strength to endure. How many times over this journey has the Lord spoken to my heart? As I've begun to be discouraged, as I've said, Lord, there's just nothing happening here. Do I have to keep doing this? And I begin to complain, and the Lord will just very firmly say to me, Endure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will endure. I will do what you told me to do, and I will not look at the results. I will only look to you, Jesus. I will not measure my life by what I try to accomplish for you, Jesus. I will measure my life by what you did on the cross. You are my God. I will give you thanks. Do we have a call, Mr. Producer? We have a five-minute... Where did our time go today? You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. My brother, my sister, today, in the moments we have left... I ask you, will you hand your monsters over to Jesus? And will you trust him and endure the double beating if that's what's required? And will you walk in faith and courage, knowing that your anger will not serve the Lord's cause, your bitterness will not endear you to Jesus? Your turning away to other strategies will not win the heart of Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, I am surrounded by monsters that I cannot control and I cannot force. I cannot tame. But Jesus, I give you full authority in my life. It is no longer my life. It is now your life. I have been crucified with you, Jesus. I no longer live, but you live in me. So, Jesus, I just take my hands off any attempt to control my life. My life, my relationships, my friendships, my service. Lord, it's all yours. And I look to you, Jesus. You are my hope, and you are the love of my heart. I pray in your holy name. Amen. If this broadcast is important to you, I ask, would you, as you are moved by the Holy Spirit, generously open your heart and give that we can cover the radio bill for this month. 
Our address, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And if you would, just mark it for Pilgrim's Progress. Every penny you send will go only to pay for the radio broadcast. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also want to invite you to the National Prayer Chapel. We are not a large congregation, but we are entirely given to Jesus. There are some who are just beginning this walk, and the devil is coming after them like a roaring lion. There are others who have matured and grown and are wonderful in ministry. You're welcome to come. It's the All Saints Anglican Church. We rent from them. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Our service is at 12 o'clock noon on Sunday. I invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Subscribe to our video service on YouTube. This broadcast has been streaming live to the YouTube. You're welcome to watch and subscribe to that service. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.